Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. We have this picture in our mind, and of course the enemy uh, doesn't help when he paints this picture of disobedience as sin, and, and sin as being this pleasurable thing. And certainly sin is pleasurable for a season. That's going to come up again here in a little bit. But we don't realize the aftermath of it. I mean, to take care concerning the commandments of the Lord can be a life and death matter. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. Many of us have a tendency to neglect the severity of sin in our lives, which more often than not leads to things spinning out of control. As Pastor J.D. will teach you in his message today, we would do well to think of sin as a life or death matter, no matter how small we might perceive each sin to be. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. at Proverbs chapter 19 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 8, He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. Notice the delineation here between getting and keeping. Just because you get something doesn't mean you're going to keep it. And by the way, if you get wisdom, you're doing so because you love yourself, your own soul. And we talk a lot about, you know, I just need to love myself more. No, you don't. You know, we're told to love others as, our, love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And then there are those who say, well, the problem is, is I can't love my neighbor as I love myself because I don't love myself. Yes, you do. You absolutely love yourself. That's not the problem. That's never the problem. The problem is loving your neighbor as you already love yourself. And so here the proverb is saying that if you really love your own soul, you want to benefit yourself, get wisdom. And then once you get it, hold on to it. Keep it. Keep understanding. And if you do, you will find good. Verse 9, here we go again. And notice the repetitiveness, the reoccurring themes here in verse 9. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies shall perish. I mean, that's just the bottom line. No matter what, in the end, they will not go unpunished. Verse 10, luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a servant to rule over princes. Here you have this fool (laughs) sitting in the lap of luxury, as we might say. It doesn't fit, doesn't work. Something's wrong with this picture. You won't see that, a fool sitting in luxury, nor will you see a servant ruling over princes. Verse 11, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Think of it this way. You have a choice. Somebody says something. 
somebody does something. And the flesh is right there, isn't it? Ready to react. In a, How dare you say that to me? Do you know who I am? <laughs> That's just pure pride, nothing but. But it's one who has discretion, one who is slow to anger. You know what? It brings God glory to overlook it. Some translations render this to pass over it. Think about what's been overlooked in our lives. I mean, the, when the shoe's on the other foot, as we say, it is a glory, His glory, to overlook a transgression. Verse 12, the king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass, grass refreshing <laughs> the king's wrath, his countenance. Verse 13, a foolish son is the ruin of his father and the contentions of a wife are continual dripping. I, I was not wanting to laugh, but my wife's not here, so I can actually talk about this a little bit. A contentious woman is like a continual dripping. I, I feel sorry for this husband, for this father, a foolish son, a contentious wife. Who could stand that? We, we've read and we'll see again in the book of Proverbs how it is that it's better to eat a crust of bread on the roof of your house than it is to eat this steak dinner, prime rib, in the house where there's contention, where there's strife, where there's nagging. Verse 14, houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. In other words, a father can leave his house, his property, his riches, his wealth as an inheritance, but there's one thing he can't do. He can't leave a wife for his son. A prudent wife is from the Lord. The writer of Hebrews says, the one who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtaineth favor from the Lord. I have that memorized because my wife made me memorize that verse. <laughs> verse 15, laziness casts one into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. You know, it's interesting, the, the lazier you are, the lazier you will be. Let me say the same thing in a, in a different way. You know, when you're uh, uh, sedentary, lazy, then your whole body just kind of, and, and the more you sleep, the more you sleep. The more you sleep, the more you sleep. Sleep begets sleep. And the proverb here, the warning here, is that that person will be in want, will suffer hunger. This is going to come up again. Verse 16, he who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless of his ways will die. I mean, this is a life and death matter here. Obedience, obeying the commandments, of God. You know what's harder than living an obedient life? Living a disobedient life. The Bible says the path of the sinner is hard. I mean, we, we have this picture in our mind, and of course the enemy 
uh, doesn't help when he paints this picture of disobedience as sin, and, and sin as being this pleasurable thing. And certainly sin is pleasurable for a season. That's going to come up again here in a little bit. But we don't realize the aftermath of it. I mean, to take care concerning the commandments of the Lord can be a life and death matter. Verse 17, this is interesting too. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. If you're looking for a a good investment opportunity, right here. Because when you lend help, the poor who we will always have with us, by the way, the Lord takes note of that. The Lord notices that, and that blesses the heart of God. And God will repay you many times over when you help the poor. Verse 18, chasten your son while there is hope. This was one that we always talked about with our boys when they were young. (laughs) Chasten your son while there is hope, and do not set your heart on his destruction. In other words, if you refuse to discipline your children, in effect you are party now to the destruction that will come because you refuse to chasten them and discipline them. Keep in mind that the word discipline comes from the word disciple, to train is to train them, to disciple them, to discipline them, to provide for them direction, instruction. Verse 19, a man of great wrath will suffer punishment, for if you rescue him, you will have to do it again. In other words, he needs to taste from the cup of the consequences of his short fuse, for lack of a better way of saying it. Great wrath the punishment that comes, the consequences that come when somebody is just, I mean, anything sets them off. This this anger, this hot temper that they have. If you rescue them, you're going to have to do it again, because they're not going to learn their lesson. Verse 20, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. This speaks to while you're young, when you're young, receive instruction, be teachable. You know in the, we call them the pastoral epistles, the epistle to Timothy and that of Titus, and therein you have these qualifications for those who aspire to some position of leadership. And there are certain qualifications. And the idea is that if you can't have your own house in order, then how can you be in a leadership position in the church? So get your house in order first. And so the qualifications are they must be temperate, They must be a one-woman man. Many people misinterpret that, the husband of one wife, meaning they can never be divorced. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit too. But that's not what it's saying. It's saying they can't be a womanizer. You can't put a man in leadership that's a womanizer. But then it also, depending on the translation that you're reading, says they have to be apt to teach, able to teach. 
And many have thought, well, they need to be teachers then. That's not what that's saying. You know what that's saying? They need to be teachable. Teachable. They have to be teachable. You cannot put somebody in a position of leadership unless and until they have demonstrated that they are teachable. They're willing to receive instruction. That we had a back on the, again, I use everything from the mainland. It's safer that way. We had a, a, an acronym. It was sort of a litmus test by which we gauged if somebody was somebody that we wanted to put in a position of, of leadership. And it was the acronym FAT. I know that's not politically correct anymore to use words or let alone acronyms like that, but it was FAT. They had to be FAT. Faithful, available, and teachable. They didn't have to be qualified. We weren't looking for the impressive resumes. In fact, sometimes it was the impressive resume that you wanted to stay away from, because they were, they were already a know-it-all. And boy, they're going to teach you a thing or two. They're not teachable. <laughs> they're not available. They're not faithful. They're so full of themselves. And isn't it true that when we're full of ourselves and we think we know it all, that we're not going to listen to what somebody has to say to us? We're not going to receive it. We're not going to receive instruction. See, younger in life, and oh, how I wish when I was young that I would have understood the importance of this. Because when you get older, and you do get older, <laughs> In your latter days there is wisdom that comes. And please remember that knowledge is just information, but wisdom is the application of that information. That's why it is that you can have a very smart fool. I mean they know a lot, but they're so foolish. And you can have a not so smart wise person. I mean I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but that's not synonymous with wisdom. Neither is being knowledgeable synonymous with wisdom. I mean, I, I think even as I say this, maybe somebody comes to mind. They're very knowledgeable, but they're very foolish. They're just fools. They make foolish decisions. You know, when um, the Apostle Paul says that knowledge puffs up, Knowledge puffs up. I mean, you can be so knowledgeable and nobody can tell you anything. And whoever wants to be around a know-it-all, I mean, they always have to have the final word. And they know everything about everything. Who wants to be around that? That's what this is saying. Verse 21, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that will stand. In other words, you have plans. It's good to have plans. Don't let those plans have you. And hold on loosely to those plans, because ultimately in the end, the Lord is going to determine the outcome. So we make our plans. We should always preface any plan with Lord willing. James talks about this as well. Don't say we're going to go into such and such a city and do business there and make a profit there. You should always say, Lord willing. Lord, this is my plan. 
but not my will be done, your will be done. I want what you want, because Lord, I know that what you want for me is the best possible outcome. So the Lord's counsel, that will stand. Verse 22, what is desired in a man is kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. Again, that's a repetitive and recurring theme. I want to draw your attention to the beginning of this proverb. What is desired in a man is kindness. Think of it this way. What is attractive in a man is kindness. We desire to see and are attracted to someone who is kind. And boy, in this day and age in which we live, does not kindness stand out? It was a couple months ago, maybe longer than that now, I, I almost broke from our expositional teaching, and I wanted to do a topical teaching just on the topic of kindness. Kindness is so attractive. Humility is so attractive. It's so desirable. That's what the proverb is saying. And certainly this was true of the Savior. You know one of the things that is really intriguing to me is how approachable Jesus was, especially to little children. They, they weren't intimidated by Him. In fact, they were attracted to Him. I am personally of the belief that it was His gentleness, His kindness, His humility, His meekness. And isn't it true that we're attracted to that kind of person? The person who is humble and kind and gentle, we desire that. We're attracted to that. By the way, I'm convinced that that's why we always want the underdog to win. We're attracted to the underdog. There's, there's that dynamic. I always think of the, the original Rocky movie. I, I'm not talking about Rocky 28. I don't know how many Rocky movies they have right now, but the original Rocky movie. And here's Rocky Balboa, Nobody ever heard of him. And it's supposed to be sort of a, you know, gesture with Apollo Creed. And he, he's the heavyweight champion, the all-time great. And so it comes time for the fight, right? And here's, here's Rocky Balboa. I can't believe I get to be in the same ring with, you know, Apollo Creed, man. And so here's all the, the pomp and the circumstance. Apollo Creed comes out. Uh, na, 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 na. Sorry about that. I, don't, I forgot the words to the song. But I mean, he's, he's coming out with, you know, the music's playing. And then here comes Rocky Balboa. You know, walks out all, all humble, all, you know, he, you know he's going to get killed. And so, you know, the crowd starts off, Apollo, Apollo. And then about the fifth round, you know, it's Rocky, Rocky. Why? Because he's the underdog. We're attracted to that. That's what we desire. I see it this way, and I say it this way. We are attracted to humility, but we are repulsed with pride. Pride is repulsive 
and humility is attractive. And that's what this proverb is saying. Verse 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. Listen, every time, and there's going to be more times, where we read about the fear of the Lord, I think it's incumbent upon me to explain what the fear of the Lord is and what the fear of the Lord is not, because there's a great misunderstanding when it comes to the fear of God. It's not this terrifying, trembling fear of God. No. The fear of the Lord, we're told in the Proverbs, is the beginning of wisdom. We're also told that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. In other words, when you have such a fear and reverence and awe of God, you don't want to do anything that would grieve the heart of God. That's what it means to fear the Lord. You fear doing anything that would grieve the heart of God. We talked about this a little bit on Sunday. Grieving the heart of God. God can be grieved. We can actually, we have the propensity, the potential to grieve and bring sorrow to the heart of God. And so too, conversely, do we have the potential to bring great delight, great joy, and, and please God instead of grieve God. But when you love someone, you know, you fear doing anything that's going to be hurtful to them. I think I was sharing about this on Sunday, that I love my wife so much that I don't want to do anything. I fear doing anything that would hurt her or harm her or grieve her. That's what the fear of the Lord is. It's to hate the things that God hates. The fear of the Lord is to have a heart after God's own heart, as we're told of David. What does it mean to have a heart after God's own heart? It means to have a heart that seeks after the things of God, to have the heart of God, to desire the the things of God. That's what having a heart after God's own heart is. It's a. I, I was thinking about uh, in the Old Testament there was a time where we were told that there was no fear of God in their eyes. Now certainly it does carry with it the idea of having a a fearful reverence, because yes, God is a loving God, but God is also a just God, and God will judge. And that is a healthy fear, by the way. There's an unhealthy fear, and there's a healthy fear. That is a healthy fear to fear the majesty of God, the might of God, Almighty God. That is a healthy fear. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but that doesn't mean you have to stop learning from God's Word. We encourage you to read the Bible yourself. You can start in Proverbs, where Pastor J.D. left off, or turn to another book. Each one holds information, encouragement, and instruction that will be beneficial to you. Are you part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to encourage you to make that a top priority. A church family can be a source of support and comfort, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can serve and encourage others too, and where you can be challenged to dive deeper into your relationship with Christ. 
If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates. We also have some helpful resources, too. You'll find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of Salvation there, a great way to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. That's all available at our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time for more from Proverbs, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Call me, me true, true.